everybody welcome to optional opinion here on Bosch Rush Games. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for tuning in. It has been a long time since I have been uh, able to podcast the show and deliver it to you guys. But I am so happy to actually be back. It is amazing. As you guys have seen, we have grown from a lot of shows. I've been doing a lot of content, a lot of recording and things like that. Um, but I'm happily back to be doing optional opinion recording this weekly and making sure that i get it out to you guys i'm going to be doing my best to get it out there for you i'm so happy man we really got a show well i should say i got a show for you guys and i think you guys will enjoy this one and today's topic and you guys probably seen the title already but today's topic is can sony and nintendo ever work together again um they used to work together back in the past or during the super nintendo days but they kind of went their own ways and enforced their own past now that they're both popular and everything uh and nintendo working with Microsoft, I always wonder can Nintendo actually work with Sony? And this is more for a worldwide thing than just Japan itself. It would be very interesting if they can. Um, so but we're going to look about their relationship first. We're going to talk about some of their history and then we're going to actually go and answer that question and see if they can do it. Or I should say I should be doing it. I'm sorry everybody. I have, a, I have a tendency to say we a lot because I include you guys also in this podcast um, but I, I podcast with so many people and everything. It's uh, exciting to be doing that and everything and you know when when this when i'm podcasting with a lot of people i include everybody in the podcast so it's just like we here at boss rush and you know i get so into the intros and everything and introducing everybody that it's, it's just part of me so um but we're gonna look at their relationship um so sony made the soundtrack for the super nintendo um they also made games for the uh snes and sega cd um they were asked to make the playstation for the super nintendo um and then they kind of made a prototype but they did fell through and playstation was born as sony's first console so they kept the idea and they went about that way. Um, the thing, the thing with Sony and Nintendo, uh, like if you look uh, about Sony's video game past, they made like Peter Pan, and you were able to see the 16-bit, and then uh, see it on the second CD and hear the CD quality. Because Sony is known as a sound company, Nintendo is known as a entertainment slash toy company in a sense. And so back in the 90s, when Super Nintendo was out, you know you would get that different sound between Sega and Nintendo. And you was kind of wondering, well, why is, you know, the games on the Super Nintendo sound different than the Sega Genesis? Um, and even, even with that, and Sega Genesis, they had, Sega had a different sound chip uh, with that. And it, it was kind of amazing to hear because, like, when you hear Streets of Rage 2 or even the Streets of Rage games, on uh the super Nintendo, uh, super Nintendo, on the Sega Genesis, you heard a different kind of muddled muff sound, but yet it it fit um uh, with that kind of sound. Like if you try to put that on the Super Nintendo with crisp and clear sound, you would get something completely different. And it was it was really strange to hear that um and everything. Like I I just couldn't understand why they had different sound chips. And then realizing that Sony did it, I was just like, oh wow, that you know that was kind of interesting to see that Sony uh did it um. And it was kind of it was kind of interesting to see um uh what Sony created. They created Nintendo's S uh S and P uh sound chip. Uh kind of like their you know, um their sound thing for it. Uh it it was it was really nice that Sony did that and I I didn't know that Nintendo actually went to Sony to do their sound chip. I have researched this and was just like, wow. So, um, the audio si subsystem is called the S 
SMP, which is a dedicated single chip consisting of an 8-bit CPU, a 16-bit DSP, and 64KB SRAM. It is designed and produced by Sony and is completely independent from the rest of the system. It is clocked at a uh, nominal 24.576 MHz in both NTSC and PAL systems. And PAL is the UK, is in Europe. It is capable of producing stereo sound composed from 8 voices generated using 8-bit audio samples and various effects such as echo so that's what sony did um for and it was kind of cool to like hear that like i wouldn't even think that nintendo would go out for them i actually thought when it came to making video game consoles i actually thought nintendo had the technology to make their own like the chips and everything i I didn't know that they were manufacturing or anything like that. It, it was interesting to actually see that they went to Sony and did that uh, for it. And so with the PlayStation falling through, it was kind of sad because uh, Secret of Mana, one of my favorite RPGs of all time, it was going to, it was designed to be that way. So it was supposed to have, um, you know, cut scenes and, uh, this artwork uh, style where it was going to look like very anime-ish to it. And I know they redid it, but um, because they decided to go with Philips CDI, um, the uh, CD never came out. And I think the Sega CD who were a topographic CD that they were out, they weren't su- successful as you know, when it came to games, a lot of people weren't buying them and a lot of people weren't buying their games. Um, because I think it was a, so much an expensive add on. Um, they just didn't have it right there. People were going, still getting Super Nintendo games to play like Chrono Trigger and Mario Brothers and Yoshi Island and Mortal Kombat. Um, and definitely when Mortal Kombat 2 came out, Super Nintendo was the system to play. So cartridges kind of seemed the big deal still to Nintendo and the SNES. So with that deal falling through with Sony, with the PlayStation, Sony kept that idea and decided to make the playstation for themselves and you know that did record of numbers and we're going to actually cover that one in the next part because we're going to take a look at where sony was at in the past and kind of how they are right now definitely with the release of the playstation 5 so when i come back we're going to get into sony So what has Sony, what has Sony, what has Sony done since? And when we look at it, they made a name for themselves. And we know that Sony, like I mentioned earlier, is a sound company, but they also did movies. They also did TVs and laptops, but they also have Columbia, uh, one of their own record companies. They own that. And Columbia has did movies also um, with it. But like, with the PlayStation, it was such a big deal, uh, definitely back in the 90s. I remember having one for my birthday, <laughs> being able to uh, play um, 
in the zone in the zone because uh of Konami. Konami was still one of my favorite consoles of all time. Uh well not consoles, one of my favorite companies of all time. And still to this day I still I still love them uh, for who they are. Um you know, PlayStation came out in 1994. So I was 14 at the time that it came out, but I didn't get mine until 95 uh due to the fact that um I wasn't really into CD based game systems and um I knew that once Final Fantasy 7 was coming and it wasn't coming on Nintendo 64, I had to kind of make that switch to like Sony like and that was my first time actually jumping into multi uh, platform, you know, only multi-platforms. Uh, well, actually my second, I'm going to take that back because Topographic 16 was my actual first, uh, with me only, uh, Super Nintendo. And my brother, he was the Sega kid, so he kind of had Sega, um, there. And so I used to do all my gaming on the Sega platform because it was in our rooms. Um, uh, so Sony has created five consoles and two handhelds. Um, they, for the handhelds, they did the PSP, PlayStation Portable, and the, uh, PlayStation Vita. For their consoles, it's PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Um, they are started doing other ones like the Slims and the, uh, the Pro. Um, definitely when it came to PlayStation 4, they had did the Pro. Um, they got some top tier first party and exclusive games. Um, uh, you know, right now, Persona and Shin Megami Tensei were like really a big exclusive games to Sony. You couldn't play them anywhere else. And that was kind of start with Atlas. Um, Resident Evil at the time was some um, exclusive there. Uh, some of their first parties, uh, people could remember Twisted Metal. Um, at the time, it was Spyro and Crash, but they sold those off. Um, but you got Uncharted now for uh, a lot of people. You got God of War. Um, you also have uh, games like Mag and um, um, uh, not Resogun, um, um, Resistance by Insomnia and stuff like that. But you also got like Dark Cloud. That was a big one. Beyond the Beyond, Ark the Lad. Uh, wild, uh, um, wild guns. I think it's wild guns. It might not be wild guns. It's, it's a different, wild arms. That's it. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and at the time, you kind of, you had, uh, Anamushu and stuff like that, which is Capcom. But you did have some really great first party and some exclusive games. Only on PlayStation that you could find, I mentioned Final Fantasy 7. And that was a big one. A lot of the Final Fantasy 7 games, uh, showed up on Square. Um, I mean, showed up by Square on PlayStation, uh, because uh, N64 was too expensive to produce and Square Soft at that time they left um, Nintendo and went to PlayStation uh, that's how we got games like Ironhinder uh, Iron and Parasite Eve and Final Fantasy 9 and stuff like that we got a lot of like great games from them uh, but their first party was still top tier um, with it uh, now, when you look at Sony with their consoles that they sold, PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 4 are like milestones for those companies. PlayStation 2 has sold uh, estimated 155 million. It is the best selling console of all time with PlayStation 4 following with 113.5 million of uh, best selling console of all time. Um, Yes, everybody, they outbeat Nintendo and outbeat Microsoft. Um, they had the hits, they had the games. Uh, definitely with PlayStation 2, um, you were able to use that as a DVD player. And when PlayStation 4 came out, um, the way that Microsoft kind of bumbled some things, it would like catapulted, uh, PlayStation 4 to higher sales. Um, now games are, are a different number but system wise yeah they they killed it um you know sony sony just did a fantastic job with it um now playstation 3 it had its ups and downs and you know uh home wasn't very successful um the uh blue cell chip which was powerful a lot of developers had a hard time um doing it uh you know trying to uh 
trying to optimize gains on it. So it, it, it became really hard. Uh, the $600 price point when it came out, like that was really, uh, something that, well, we all knew about the $600 price point because of Neo Geo. Back in the day, Neo Geo was this arcade 32 meg system, which allowed you to be able to play arcade games on home. Um, and what you would do is, is that you would be able, I think it had a memory card or the cartridge you were able to go to the arcade put your thing and play that same game after you play a token or a quarter um do whatever you did and then take that information home and continue to play it on your system kind of what you think about netflix in a sense uh of saving your data and everything and you know the system was six hundred dollars the cartridges were two hundred dollars so when it came to playstation 3 yes you still had uh sorry about that everybody uh you still had the fifty dollar kind of um uh not fifty dollars you had sixty dollar gains that jump in price and gains but you also had um the six hundred dollar six hundred dollar console which only gave you a limited amount of hard drive space and then when uh more of the systems came out like the slim version uh came out they took out the backwards compatibility um uh, stuff for it and it was just like it was just such a disaster when it first came out. Definitely when EGM, uh, where Shulk was having a talk, um, with the CEO at that time. And, um, was just talking about, you know, you can't find PlayStations in, you know, stores. And, uh, Dan Shu, I think who did the interview, went up and showed that, bam, there you go. Uh, here's a picture at Best Buy with a stack of PlayStations and you couldn't, he really couldn't say anything about it and everything because of the price point and people were buying 360s at that time. But, uh, and definitely with the PSN, you know, being down, their online function was down for months. It got hacked and it was a big ordeal. You know, Sony really hurt during that time of the PlayStation 3. They did fine with their system sales and games, but it really hurt them a lot where Microsoft just took over um for that. Uh but Sony learned and they came back and you know they they bounced back and made the PlayStation 4 and was successful. Um they created a list of classics of and all-time favorites. Um of course everybody like I mentioned Resident Evil, Final Fantasy 7, God of War, Twisted Metal, uh, Naughty Dog with the Uncharted series, The Last of Us. Um, you know, that one got perfect tens when that game came out. Like, it was highly rated. Well, nines and tens, I should say. Um, like, with them, with Sony, they had a lot of great hits. Um, Spider-Man, uh, from Insomniac with Marvel, that was a great hit. Um, you know, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Jack and Daxter, uh, Toomba, <laughs> back way in the PS1, when Sony was just trying anything and everything thing uh for it. uh tales of uh dragoon uh was uh i mean legend of dragoon not uh, sorry about that you know legend of dragoon was a big one so we could then uh from konami breath of fire you know three and four uh persona three and persona four uh definitely persona five definitely persona three was kind of how everybody got into the persona series and then persona four just like blew the water and you know that every Everybody loved uh, that game. Um, and Persona 5, it was just like, wow. Now, Atlas was still putting games out uh, on other platforms, which but they were only doing it for Nintendo and for that handheld. They didn't really get into the console stuff until, I think, a little bit later on to, like, we, Because we had... Uh, uh, we had their their searching game that Atlas did and stuff. Um, now that Sega owns Atlas... Um, who knows what what this is like we don't have any atlas game yet on microsoft's platform yet but that could change over time and everything so uh we definitely shall see um, with it now their handhelds the psp and the ps vita they did fine but sony abandoned them too quick they kind of gave them like about almost two years each um, and then games stopped coming, um, from it and they kind of moved away from it. Uh, even with them, like we do, we designed the system, they kind of just went in away because Nintendo definitely, you know, if you look at it, um, Nintendo, you know, 
they had the handheld space. Uh, it, 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 it's kind of weird to see that because, you know, everybody talk about Nintendo Switch, um, and how Vita is kind of the successor in a way, or not, not successor. It's like the inspiration for that. Um, uh, and it's kind of weird to, to, you know, say something like that. Definitely seeing that Vita and PSP were different kinds of kind of a handheld system than Nintendo. You know, they were using uh mini CD format for the PSP, um, uh, where Nintendo was still using cartridges. Um, and then when Vita came out, it was it went to cartridge, but you had to have a memory card to save games on there, and it was kind of very problematic. The sales of those memory cards were like a hundred dollars or something, and they were literally hard to find. You you really couldn't find them anywhere due to the fact that they just they produce a small amount of them and sending them out to people it was just really hard to find so um but right now sony has a playstation 5 that's out um and it's doing okay at this at this time um there are problems with it, but normally with a launch, there are going to be some system system problems. But the real big one is actually finding one to buy. Um, there are two models of it, the disc version and the uh, hard drive version, um, where it's just like... Um, where it's just only um where it's digital where you only could download games on it there's uh you really can't put no disc in it for backwards compatibility um it's very interesting to see how that goes so but when we come back we're gonna dive into nintendo and see what they have been up to uh for their time since their release of the nes all right when we come back we'll talk about nintendo Let's get into what Nintendo has done over the years. And, and boy, they have done a lot. So Nintendo has been bringing innovative and, for some people, some gimmicky systems to the industry. Um, of course, definitely with the Wii being one of their most kind of innovative, yet gimmicky kind of system for a lot of people. Um, you got to give it to Nintendo for trying something new. Uh, so they created seven consoles and three handheld lines with the, uh, like I stated earlier, the uh, Virtual Boy being kind of like the fourth system of the family. So we look at their consoles. They had the Nintendo Entertainment System, the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo 64, the GameCube, the Wii, the Wii U, and the Switch. Uh, with their handheld lines, they had the Game Boy uh, line, they had the DS, which is the dual screen, and then they had the three uh, 3DS line uh, with 3DS, uh, XL, 2DS, XL, where you were able to play games in 3D without having the glasses on with that. And so, um, they had all of that. Um, their well-known franchises have been gameplay mechanics and changes 
the way that we play a genre of games. So if we look at Mario 64 kind of being one of the big ones, playing in a 3D space with an analog stick, it was kind of weird yet you know exciting to see definitely with ocarina of time how we did the z targeting and the auto jumps with that like a lot of people were using that method for a lot of their games in 3d when it came to something like paper mario and everything they were showing how different graphics can be done on in games you know taking the well-known mario franchise of 2d sprites and applying this uh paper nature to it and you know and th- that series has still gone on uh still going on i mentioned that we uh we had we bowling where people were getting having parties and you know be able to go out and bowl when they couldn't go out to an actual bowling alley you had just dance uh even though that's third party you know people were getting into the dancing craze instead of just doing the uh dance dance revolution stuff right there you know casual gamers were able to play video games using the Wii. So playing sports games or, you know, playing puzzle games and adventure games, swinging the sword and everything. Uh, Cookie Mama was a big thing, you know, kind of for the DS and then being able to play that on the Wii. It was kind of really interesting to see how a lot of first party stuff um, at the Super Metroid is still held as one of the best games of all time uh, compared to Tetris and Mario Brothers and some other games where where, you know, it spun off the Metrovania games because it helped uh, Castlevania kind of find its place uh, and become the series that uh, after Castlevania Symphony of the Night, uh, how that, you know, was kind of shaped up to be, you know, it kind of helped Metroid become, you know, where it's kind of like the starting point, blue point. Um or blueprint, I should say, uh, for that. So it was kind of exciting to see um, that a lot of games that came out of Nintendo, or some sometimes some third party games, um, you know, they were able to put out put out these you know kind of games that changed the way that we play. Definitely with Breath of the Wild being like the Wii U's uh, swan song, but like the debut game in a sense for the Nintendo Switch, how that open world game left people who wanted more climbing, who was able to see that um, what you could do with physics and everything, not just ragdoll physics, but like how you could get you know creative with some glitches and some bugs and stuff. Um, how you were able to do things in that world and stuff like it was very interesting to see and there's tons of more games and things of that nature uh we and ds numbers are milestones so definitely with ds it did 154 million and we did about 101 million you know those are kind of the best selling uh systems for uh nintendo now switches at 70 uh million kind of sales so it's a possibility if they add a switch Pro that that number can jump. They do have the Switch Lite and they still have the original Switch. Um, but if they if they give a Switch Pro that is a little bit powerful, that may be able to help to jump up with it. Now there has been some ups and downs with the Wii U. And that really came out from you know a lot of the third party leaving Nintendo, um, and you know Square Enix really didn't like put a lot of games with it. Microsoft, not Microsoft, I'm sorry, EA kind of dipped off and left after they only put out like two games. Um, there really wasn't much like we didn't get a Metroid game for Wii U, um, so like you know. Kobe Tecmo, they did some stuff with Nintendo, but not a lot. Uh, you know, we did get Ninja Gaiden 3 on a, on a console. We did get, um, Tekken Tag Tournament on it. Uh, but we also got Hyrule Warriors that, which was kind of the successor, you know, or not successor, I should say, kind of like the helper to the Dynasty Warriors series because it was very niche back on PlayStation 2 and it was like not many people were buying it and playing it. But when Hyrule Warriors came out for Wii U, a lot of people got into the series and now that we have Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity uh, on Switch like it blew it out the water like 3 million is really good for sales and it's still going a lot of people love this game it's, it got great, great reviews and it kind of helped like 
uh, Persona Scramble, um, you know, happened in, uh, Fist of the North Star and like some other warrior games. Yes, even though Dynasty Warriors 9 is not a well received game and it's not on Switch, um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity has kind of re, uh, started people's love, not only for Zelda, but for the warrior games again. So it's really, um, amazing to see. Um, of course, with the game, uh, with the gamepad, with it for Wii U, you only could carry it to a certain amount of space. Uh, but it was still cool and innovative to be able to watch games, um, like watch YouTube, I should say, on your screen, or like even watch uh Smash um Brothers for a Wii U and 3DS. Be able to watch that, um, with it. Uh, being able to use your 3DS to play Smash and use that system as a controller and things, and watching the eight-player online battle. It was just like it was really cool to see when you do that, but with only 13 million sales, not enough games came to it, you know. And with the third party that did come, Ubisoft did support this system, so we got to give credit to Ubisoft for that. But a lot of people just jumped ship or didn't even want to get into it because. The focus of sales definitely during the 360 PS3 and Wii U days was a big thing. Um, you can have a high number of sales, but some people would be disappointed. Now, if you look at Nintendo, you know, with their first party, they had a lot of strong first party titles that kind of took Game of the Year or really surprised people as a new IP. Definitely if you look at uh, Splatoon, like that came out of nowhere and it's just so amazing and still, you know, there was dropping content month after month for it and everything and even though you had two maps people were still playing this game and learning it's still to this very day but Splatoon 2 being out on Switch people are still streaming and playing this game so it's really kind of interesting to see how Nintendo definitely with Wii U um, you know, even though they had their downs, there was still some posi- uh, posi- uh, positivity to it. Um, definitely Super Mario 3D World, Mario Maker, Pikmin 3. You know, a lot of first party really uh, thrived on that system. Now th- that some of that is on Switch, you know, people are finally getting to play it. Um, you know, will you help? Platinum become like more recognizable because of Bayonetta 2 on how good it was and everything. It, it's just very interesting to see that even though with a system that had a low number of sales, it still has some good to go with it. Same with PlayStation 3, even though it had its problems, they still produce enough great content on that system that you sometimes can't find nowhere else. Shadow of the Colossus, uh, and you know, with, on PlayStation 2, when it came to PS3, like, like kind of like a HD re-release, um, I enjoyed that game. I truly loved it. I, it was good to see that happens so like even sony can have some good to them even though people think that they're not doing so well um like i mentioned uh splatoon they created some new ips that has done well for themselves arms is a great example you know that sold very well um i mentioned xenoblade chronicles um that has done really well for them. Definitely when they try to get that game here to America and it's just, you know, people pre-ordered that game. And now look, we got the Defensive Edition that did well. We got, um, Clubhouse Games that have did well. Ultimate Alliance 3 that has did well. Well, it's not a new such IP, but to see that game exclusively come to Nintendo, it's like really surprising. But yeah, to see how a lot of that stuff has happened, um, definitely, like I mentioned with Splatoon 2, that's still a big thing. You know, uh, Smash when it came out in 64. Like, who would have known that you beating up, uh, Nintendo characters return it to what it is now. Some is toxic, some but some of it is still great. Um, Mario Party has been a, a phenomenal hit, um, but over the years it kind of got a little bit stale with some people and everything. And Nintendo still tries to innovate that game and change things. And there is people who still have fun with the slip. Uh, uh, Snipper Clips is a great, fantastic game. Uh, once who, uh, you know. Um, the one two game that came out on Switch was like kind of amazing to see. Legend of Zelda continues to change stuff um, with it, but like for new IPs, like once once to Switch, that's what it is. Once to Switch, uh, Pokemon, um, 
you know, uh, like Mario Paint, Mario Party, like stuff like that, you would never know. So, uh, Mario uh, Sluggers and everything. Like, you wouldn't expect that some new IPs that Nintendo has done themselves have really changed the way that we enjoy games, not only for Nintendo, but games in general. Like, you still see people streaming some of their older games and newer games and inviting people to come in, you know, join in and play with them. Now, the handheld's done phenomenal, but Switch has merged that with console play, and it has worked wonders for them. Right now, they're close to 70 million, um, or there's 70 million at the side, and like I mentioned, a Switch Pro could come and help boost those sales up to double it. And it may be, it may be, just maybe, not fully saying that it will, but it may be a chance, have a chance to overcome the PlayStation 4 and maybe get to the numbers of PlayStation 2. And the Switch could take reigns. If they could even just get to 158 million systems, that is a game changer. And it kind of shows the power of Nintendo themselves with their console and with their merchandise and with their gaming and stuff. Now, I know some people have some problems with Nintendo um, still being stuck in their ways and stuff. But Nintendo... They want to control their message. They want to control their IPs. They want to control their content because they don't want people to get the wrong idea that they have done something to this game when it's not them. Especially when people kind of fool around with their product and do things that they shouldn't be doing with it. Um, with the, and I'm not saying much so much as modding or anything, but you know, taking a franchise and some of their assets and putting it in. Um, and this is not a knock to anybody who does that. You know, you have that right if you could get away with it. But I'm like, when Nintendo catch news of it and stuff, it's kind of a cease and desist that's going to happen. Um, with it because and there are some legal things to it and if Nintendo is not suing you and you have to take it down or you know and you got to remove it um notice that some people are sometimes going to notice your work and invite you to come and work from there them you know you already got something on your resume because they were able to see you do something like this even though you use somebody else's assets to do it and so you know just be, kind of be careful but yeah nintendo has really done a lot it's still to this very day they do a lot and i know some people have their viewpoints about nintendo um some some of them say you know their fan base is a certain way some have stopped being part of a nintendo fan and you know i'm i'm still a nintendo fan always have been there's uh I just have a connection with Nintendo. I have a relationship with Nintendo growing up playing their system with my brother being the Sega kid and stuff. Like I kept playing Nintendo because it not only taught me my video game skills, but it taught me like the enjoyment of gaming and everything. Um, and it still has been that there's something about Nintendo that has always stand out with me. Some say it's nostalgia. Some say it's just <laughs> me, my fanboyism my bias and there are times that i am biased biased but you know i root on for microsoft and sony i've always said that like i root for gaming as always you know it never matters what i play or where i play my games that i'm going to continue to root for it just feels like nintendo has so much of a more special connection to that um so when i come back we're going to actually talk about some things that may be able to work um if they did get together and with that everybody i will be right back because man i really have some ideas for for it and who knows what they could bring to the table with that everybody i'll be right back
Now, how would this work between Sony and Microsoft, not Microsoft, sorry about that, Sony and Nintendo working together? Um, well, this is some of my ideas, uh, my kind of opinions on it. On what could possibly happen and everything. And I, I really can't, I really hope people really, you know, um, take this in and stuff and actually think about it and everything so um sony brings some of their smaller titles or franchises to nintendo so any kind of like small games that sony has kind of made and like really don't push a lot i think they could put it on a nintendo platform and be like hey you guys might like this um i think nintendo could bring good job or maybe some of their 3ds titles like the pikmin games like i could see that coming on playstation and seeing how that works let's see how kirby works because you know playstation needs like a kid friendly uh kind of avenue for gamers and i think kirby will will fit in on playstation um it'd be really interesting to see what you know some of their smaller titles that they could bring to it um they could give them some Nintendo Direct Shine. So I think Nintendo could help Sony with State of Play. I think they really could show that, you know, you guys got a great format on how do you do it, but this is how you can make it better um, and everything. Um, Media Molecule and Nintendo work together to make a Dreams slash Labo crew, uh, combo. You know, Media Molecule came up with Dreams. And what if Nintendo, like, came in and helped them and they were able to use Labo uh, with it? and stuff or vice versa uh like it'd be it'd be really cool on how that can happen or nintendo could come in with media molecule and help them design a, a sack boy or mario collection you know show them how the ticks and trips of crafted world and yoshi's woody world and epic yarn how media molecule could take that and just work and directly work their magic and then really pretty much see what they both can do in dreams like i i would be be surprised if that happened nintendo allows sony to do something with one of their properties so to see nintendo be able to give sony maybe metroid for example they could make it real gritty they could make it dark graphically it would look beautiful it would look stunning um i would see i would like to see maybe you know what can Naughty Dog do with one of Nintendo's properties? Uh, with it, you know, not really do any much with Metro or anything. But what can Naughty Dog do with Mario? Can they return back to their um kind of like kid roots and stuff? Um, with Jack and Daxter and stuff, can they make a 3D platform once again? I I would be excited to see what they do or even take. Um, you know, even take arms or something and see what they could do, what Naughty Dog could do with it. Uh, or even take, uh, they could come country. Give Naughty Dog the cookie con country and see what they could do because Naughty Dog could do something almost like rare or like retro. As to say, I, I retro studios, I would love to see what they could do with that. Um, Sony writes a story for a new IP for Nintendo. Like, what if Sony really bought a really dark and gritty game uh for it for Nintendo and you know? They write the story, but work with Nintendo to develop the game. And Nintendo Japan um, are learning that, you know, yes, we can have the scary and spooky story and these themes and everything. Uh, but with the help of Sony's Western developers, uh, Western game studios like Worldwide Game Studios, maybe they can come in and whatever engine that we both could use, they could show us with their story how to produce something that's going to be nintendo yet feel have yet feel have some sony polish and idea to it it'll be really interesting to see because we know nintendo don't really do story driven games or anything they always like to put they'll put it in there but they like to lead it up to the uh player to explore it to experience it but what if there was a linear game that was story uh story driven and sony wrote it it'd be interesting to like really see a uh, nintendo teaches creative ways to make levels and help polish ideas um so i mentioned bayonetta 2 um 
for uh for uh for um for Wii U. And I kind of always say it kind of feels like Nintendo stepped in and gave uh Platinum Games some polish, some ideas to help them fix some things and you know be like there you go. Now you guys go have fun, you know, go go do some some stuff with this. I think Nintendo could come into Sony and help them edit and really bring out a idea of what their game can be to make it better. Cuz a lot of times Sony some 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 of Sony's uh worldwide studios like to drag stuff. <laughs> uh Punch did it at the end of uh Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, the Last of Us Part Two is long for unnecessary reasons. Uncharted Four is is that game needs editing. Like half of that game did not need to happen or even be in there. They really could have made up for this game. And I think Nintendo could have came in and be like, okay, this is how we you you can make levels you know worthwhile and be able. Sorry about that, everybody. Worthwhile. And be able to produce something that is not going to drag on long for unnecessary reasons, but it's going to be precise, um, really use the as not assets, really use the characters in the story and be able to end it on a great note, you know, and we will give you guys some ideas on how to make your levels better and stuff. I would definitely love to see that because I really think that you know Nintendo as designers and with Sony having the tech uh and with the stories I think both of them really can come together and put some great ideas together and really make some great games because why it shouldn't be just where Sony is doing what they're doing Nintendo is doing what they're doing I think they could get back together and you know out of respect and for the love of gaming really create something that is going to be worthwhile and people would just love and grasp so that went so with that everybody we're going to come back together um, after this break and like really and I'll give my final opinion about this with that everybody I'll be right back Let's answer the topic's question. Should Nintendo and Sony work together or will they ever work together again? I believe not at this time. I think they both are doing something creative on their own and making successful um, decisions that's helping them, you know, make that paper, make that money. But, you know, really are being enjoyed by so many people in the gaming community that I don't think they need each other at this time. I think in the future, which I feel that all three of them could come together and really be able to support each other's platforms. Um, it would be interesting to see what they would bring, but I feel like that's what could really happen. 
and everything. But for between Sony and Nintendo, um, I don't think it's necessary at this time. Um, I believe each has different ways of approaching their business, game design and marketing. You know, Nintendo goes out their way and being able to control the message the way that they want to. Sony's doing the kind of the same thing and everything. Um, I think they're both have overcame the loss of the PlayStation deal and stuff. Um, that deal, like I said earlier, helped it help Sony become who they are. And if you look at it now, um, PlayStation four before PlayStation five, PlayStation four was really holding Sony up for a lot of their, um, business. Um, it was bringing a lot of revenue in and keep them in business. You know, there's TVs and computers and stuff were not selling. Um, I don't know how the music label has been doing lately, but you know, Sony PlayStation four has kind of rescued Sony from what it was. And Nintendo always had money in the bank. So if anything ever happened, even with the the uh, lack of sales for Wii U, they still had enough product out there that was going to generate them money. Yes, they didn't have the Wii U, but they had the 3DS that was getting them sales. So, you know, in their budget, they were financing their own thing. So whatever loss that they had, you couldn't tell because of how well they were doing and everything. And they will always be able to recoup that money and stuff. So yeah, a lot of people get on Nintendo about, well, you know, their games don't never drop to 1999 and they did at one point had that kind of line and stuff, but you kind of got to catch it on a good sale because they're still trying to recoup maybe some losses and stuff. Um, we don't know the full story of what their budget is. Of course, we don't never know the budget of any of first party games unless they say so. Um, we just know that throughout time they could recoup their that loss in other ways and everything uh as big as sony is nintendo still affects the industry like none other uh and when i mean by that is that nintendo just is still there and the people still go to nintendo for games people still go to nintendo to make fan games or write fan fiction or you know nintendo is still there with the fire emblem series that people are getting into um like a lot of people go to nintendo for very different things whether it's baking food cosplaying making music um you know starting their podcast and everything it's always something about nintendo not to get nothing wrong about sony because i think people are could do a great job cosplaying as crazy or as Nathan Drake um, but it just feels like Nintendo from the beginning there's just something there that people are still capturing where Sony is still working to capture that uh, and it hasn't overtaken Nintendo just yet uh, last but not least each are still loved and supported and that's all that matters and so if, like I said earlier you know they don't have to work together and if they never work ever together again i think they continue to, uh to still bring out products that we are going to love characters that are in gameplay that we are going to enjoy and adore and that's really that's all that matters is being able to enjoy what these guys create these guys and gals create uh these developers i should say create because it still matters it's still worth the time and investment to play these games what i can't get from nintendo i could get from sony what i can't get from sony i could get from microsoft but i can't get from microsoft i may be able to get from sony or nintendo like there's always something that's there that we all could get something from it's not always that you have to be on one particular platform to get it it's just that if there's something there that you need at that time or you feel like playing it's right there if you own it you know, or if you're renting it, if, if you're able to go there and play it and enjoy it and they st and this still feels magical and wonderful to you, then do that. And I think Sony and Nintendo does that. Definitely Microsoft does that too also for some people. But, you know, as long as you love these games, as long as you still support them, and as long as great content is coming out and you're meeting new people through these games or you're finding relationships or in podcast friends and, you know, if, they, if there's some positivity that comes out from it, regardless of they work together or not, it's all that matters that there's something that you got from these games and you're joining from what they are. 
So when I come back, everybody, I'm going to do some quick plugs and I'm going to end the, end the show. And I will be right back. Okay, let's get into some plugs with real quick. You guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code. You can also email the show at my op to comment at yahoo.com. You can find me on bossrushgames.com with all my writings and you can follow us at bossrushgames. Uh, I mean, Boss Rush Podcast on Twitter. You can check out Arsenal X, our Xbox podcast, Crossroads, our PlayStation podcast, Nintendo Power Block, where I am the host now on, uh, on Boss Rush Games and you know you can check us on our YouTube page and on our Twitch page um, and check out our live shows there um, hopefully everybody you had a great week have a great weekend just some quick plugs right there and also check out World 1 1 Podcast on Podbean.com um, I just want to give them guys a shout out also um, yes Optional Opinion is back I'm going to be trying to do more episodes and get some more one out out to you guys but I really I'm happy to be back really talking to you guys being able to do a podcast <laughs> yes it is back to being a solo podcast of, of course it's Optional Opinion um, but I'm just glad to be recording and like I said earlier um, regardless of what people think about Sony and Nintendo as long as they bring out great products that's all that matters so everybody I want you to have a great week have a great weekend um, getting to net zero emissions means change uh, don't know where that came from uh have a great week have a great weekend as our model is let's play video games and be better and like i always say let's continue to be better to one another and let's continue to play video games with that everybody i will see you next time on optional opinion bye everybody peace